0: Welcome to the Contending for Christ Apologetics podcast, where Danny seeks to empower believers to defend their faith. This fight is internal, defending against false teachings that are creeping into the church as well as our hearts and minds. It is also external, with believers needing to know how they can solidify and defend their beliefs. So sit back and relax as we contend for Christ.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics, or should I say, welcome to the Paranormal Discussions. Today, we're talking about Genesis chapter 6 and the Nephilim, the giants, the fallen ones, or the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain. Today, I have a very special guest with me. He's a very close friend of mine, a brother of Christ, brother in Christ, He's a United States Marine Corps veteran, he's a former sheriff's deputy, and he's the founder of Downing Industries, which you can find on YouTube, having a channel that's reaching over 10,000 subscribers. And hopefully soon enough, Caleb, you need to go ahead and open up a brick and mortar store. You see, Caleb has studied and researched these areas for many years and has many uh, resources and books and just knowledge at his disposal for anyone wanting more information about this discussion Aliens, Nimrod, the Tower of Babel, and many more. So sit back, strap on your seatbelt, and welcome to the paranormal discussion. So, today, what we're going to be talking about is the Nephilim or the Nephilim of Genesis 6. So, Caleb, I just want to thank you for joining us today.
0: Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be here. I love talking about all this stuff. Me me too. Excited. I'll probably end up getting ramped up here in a little
1: bit. And that's what I would hope to hear. You know, I, I was going to say see, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, this isn't a video. This is audio now, but I mm-hmm. definitely would hope to see or hear you get amped up because you're passionate about this stuff. Are you not? I am. Yes, definitely. So you don't find many people passionate about these types of topics. And so this is this is going to be really engaging. This is going to be very uh, informational. And it's going to be very passionate and everything. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to a bunch of different stuff. We talk a lot about Bigfoot. We talk about uh, uh, Nimrod. I still want to get you on and talk about Nimrod and the idea with uh, not genocide, but uh, you know, trying to you know clone and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's for a future episode, future time, and whatnot. But uh, before we actually jump into the nephilim of Genesis six, Caleb, can you just talk? a Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, Downing Industries, and, and really how, you, how did you get drawn into the topic of like cryptozoology, aliens, uh, Nephilim, things like that?
0: Yeah, sure. So like you said, I'm Caleb Downing, and I grew up in small town, Oklahoma. Um, I was homeschooled and everything. Had that small town, relative, relatively large family, like six kids, you know, and then the, and then the folks. Um, but growing up, I've been a Christian for, it's been a long time, but I got saved when I was, I think four. It was, I was pretty young. It was four or six or something like that. And I've always been, as far as church goes, in a solid, solid church. There's a couple different times where we got into a church that turned out not to be so great, but we got out of there relatively quickly. Um, but we've always had solid teaching, you know, I've always gone to the Sunday school and stuff. And so I've always heard, you know, the stories and things. And so and it's always been that mainstream hardcore baptist thinking if if you're from the east coast think uh, pensacola right if you're from the west coast think um west coast west coast baptist call or west coast baptist whatever it's called anyway we're that kind of like we grew up that way and baptist kind of stuff so that's a spiritual side of stuff like that's kind of where i come from the main hardline baptist thinking okay um, as i grew up in that kind of um keep that in mind okay that's what that's what i'm trying to say i have I, I i get very spastic about things so beware i i have a trail of thought that i'm trying to do and, it all and that's connects. what i so, love
1: about you <laughs> yeah i love talking I get a little crazy the passion flows through your veins
0: yeah and sometimes i see a lot of squirrels so you know it, yeah i have to chase them down or else they'll drive me crazy so, that's that way, so growing up, right, we grew up that way, um, I was a jeweler for a while, you know, um, I joined the military when I was uh, 20, about 20, I think 19 or 20, um, and the Marine Corps did reserve stuff, met my wife, moved to Florida, um, became a deputy sheriff over there, and then that's whenever I moved up, I can't remember exactly what year that was, when I moved to Alabama, it was what, 2007, it was 17, 18. I don't remember what it was. It was some, something around then. Um, but that's whenever I really kind of started the whole downing industries, what you're talking about. Um, and that's basically, I like guns. Again, growing up in small town, Oklahoma, um, you know, I like shooting stuff and things. And so once I figured out that I can actually get my FFL, my federal firearms license, relatively easy, I got that and I've been working on guns and helping folks with stuff. And that's mainly like what you're saying. It The business downing industries is not... It doesn't have a brick and mortar store yet. I just run it out of my house, but it is a business, right? I do have to have the licenses and stuff, um, but I'm not as actively um, trying to sell myself, you know, trying to bring more people in until I get an actual place. Because at the time, even right now, my wife she's active duty military, so we move around. So it's hard to have a brick and mortar store, you know, every place you go, because then you got to pick up roots and move. But that's kind of where I am. And then getting into this is where like I said the, the rabbit trails kind of go back in getting back into the whole Nephilim thing, after being in these, you know, the heart. you hear all the, the regular hardcore Baptist doctrine teachings and stuff. And it really, it really was when we moved to Alabama. And before, a little bit before then, um, I kind of heard and stuff about Nephilim and stuff. And I never, growing up, heard anything. I don't even remember hearing the word Nephilim growing up. Okay, Goliath is a giant. He's just a big dude. And anything else that we're going to talk about was just whatever. You read over it and you go on to the next thing. You talk about Noah and the Ark. And you don't talk about anything else because it doesn't matter. That's Growing up, that's kind of what I heard. Because it's not not hardcore doctrine. You know, it's not salvation. And so it just didn't matter to a lot of people, it seemed. Um, So I never heard that stuff. So when we got here to Alabama specifically, big shout out to our church, Open Door. Um, It's really a very... It was a very mind-opening kind of thing to go there, or heart-opening, whatever, to really challenge yourself and and break away from an ideology of being a Baptist or being a whatever, even though that's good, because you, have, you can have sound doctrine, but you need to know why. And then there's a lot more stuff in the Bible once you start opening your eyes, and you start seeing stuff, and you're like, wait a minute, nobody ever talked about this. It has nothing to do with salvation, necessarily. But it's still in the Bible, and how come nobody talks about it? And then I'm sure we'll get into this kind of stuff later, or little pieces of it, or maybe other podcasts and stuff. You kind of mentioned to it with with Nimrod and stuff. There are so many just nuggets of of a question that's not answered in the Bible, but questions are brought up in the Bible of, of stuff that whether you want to call it supernatural or you just want to call it strange. There are a lot, there are a lot of strange things in the Bible that go completely unanswered by people. By the general person that reads it, they're just like, whatever, that looks weird, but I'm going to keep moving on and go find something else that's easy. And I think that's where, that's one of the places where I think God's talking about, it, you know, he puts things in the Bible and that's your meat. A little, a newborn Christian is not going to pick up their Bible and read this stuff and be like, oh, that's what it's talking about. no they're they're looking they need their milk they need their milk and cheese and bread, right but then there's this other stuff that's there that the more you look at it, the more it starts filling in a lot of things and it starts answering questions that some people find very hard to answer if you don't understand what's going on so anyway, that was a very long <clears throat> answer to that so that that's kind of when I got into it you know how i how I see stuff i i I see things being strange. And I'm the kind of guy that I, I question why. I want to know why. I don't want to just be like, okay, it's there, but who cares? I want to know why. And when people don't answer the question of why it's there and they just pass over, that makes me a little angry. So because because God gave it to us for a reason, right? He gave us the Bible. And so all of it's there. for you know, It's, it's all there for a reason. And so we shouldn't just pass over. Yeah, see, raise my temperature two degrees.
1: You raise your temperature two degrees. How so?
0: Not really. No, no. No. I got my heart rate up. Maybe it's the coffee. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Coffee? This late?
0: Well, well, yeah. Uh, That's just me. That's okay.
1: Well, thank you for sharing all that, Caleb, and I really hope you get that brick-and-mortar store up and running sometime soon. Uh, But really, our focus today is going to be a surrounding Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. For the listeners, I just want to read this passage, and then we'll jump right into the very first question I'd have for you, Caleb. And and Mm the Bible says, and it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty. There were giants in the earth those days, and also after that when the sons of God came in unto daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So basically from there, it goes into more about the flood and as far as the reason and the catalyst for God bringing in the flood of Noah's days. So based upon Genesis chapter six, verses one through five, uh, the sons of God and the daughters of, could you elaborate what the different competing views are as far as how do we interpret uh, this passage what are the sons of god
0: Okay so what are the sons of god the two main kind of ideas that people have of the sons of god is you've got one idea which is basically i think they call them the Sethites or the Sethite theory Right. And so that's basically if I hopefully I don't don't butcher it up, but basically that's the sons of Seth or just evil men. It's just men in general that are just sinful and wrong. And they were bad people that married women and they had really rebellious kids and the kids were really bad. And I guess they didn't get punished or something. And so evilness just kind of got rampant and built into this mega disobedience. And then God had to do something about it that's kind of that's that's the theory that surprisingly i hear a lot from mainstream people i won't say names but they kind of go with that kind of an idea and i don't understand why but then again the other side of you know of the coin that pe- that people don't want to look at or seem to be scared to look at most of the time is the whole idea of the sons of god being heavenly beings, whether that be angels or, or just whatever kind of heavenly being it is, that came down and procreated with mankind and created what it, what it says, giants, mighty men of renown. I mean, that in a nutshell, so I don't get way off topic, that's kind of your two main deals. You have evil men that just marry women and create evil offspring, and you also have some spiritual entities come down and procreate with mankind and create some kind of a demigod thing, basically. Is that what you're All looking
1: right. for? Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, the two main competing views, like you we were saying, the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain, and, you know, there's some holes in, in a lot of people that believe that. Like you said, I think a lot of people are really holding on to that particular view, even though I, I believe that there's very few biblical basis for it. Uh, it it's kind of interesting once we actually get into the meat of these questions and everything as far as which one is most plausible as from Scripture and from what we're seeing in culture and societies. But uh, could you get some insight into really Genesis 6? Like overall, what's really happening? Uh, could you sort of paraphrase what well, the situation is and what led to it?
0: Yeah, so so if you're just looking at it overall as, as a whole, okay, God created mankind, right, and He put them in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned, got thrown out of the garden, and they started having kids. And right off from the bat, you know, you have their two first sons. One of them kills the other one, and like that's horrible, right? That's sin, and it, it's at its essence. And and it just from what it appears, stuff compounded from there. And in a nutshell, if you just look at the whole overall picture of what happened, sin. You want to call it sin or evilness or whatever. It got so bad that what did it say? I mean, like every thought of man was evil. Basically, it got so bad that it was just it was horrible. I mean, you imagine God creates this beautiful, wonderful thing, and now He looks at it and it's just this debauchery of whatever. What I mean, if you're not looking at it specifically, you know, one one theory versus the other theory, but over overall as a whole, it something was so bad, right? That God was like, man, that this is bad and I'm basically just going to hit the reset button here and do something else because what happened, what, what, you know, what original intent was to have whatever his original intent was to have communion, you know, with mankind. And, and that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast of what his original intent and what I think that is. I don't know if you and I <laughs> have even talked about that, but basically it didn't happen how, how perfectly it should have happened. Not because of God, and people, I hope people don't misquote me here, but not because of God, but because of mankind and because of sin got thrown in the bunch, stuff got so messed up that God was like, you know what, this is bad. I'm going to restart. So that's kind of a nutshell of what happened, and that leads up to the flood. So what was so bad? Was it just that people were being belligerent and mean and angry and killing each other and just evil? Or was there something way more weird that we just most people choose not to look at i choose to look at those weird things and the more i look into that the more i'm like hmm i think i believe the weird stuff a little bit more than just the fact that there's a bunch of disobedient rotten children running around and god's like i'm gonna kill everybody
1: and that that's a good segue into the next question and everything and it sort of sounds like you lean more towards that uh strange view Mm -hmm. so between the godly line of seth and godly line of cain or the fallen angel view, you know, it sounds like you're subscribing to the fallen angel view, which is what I was subscribed to as well. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe that view is most accurate? Now, are there any biblical evident passages or uh, scriptures that would back that up?
0: Okay, so why do I believe that way? Well, I would challenge anybody really that has, that holds to a Sethite theory of anything other than the sons of God being heavenly beings, where is their proof? Like, that, the burden of proof I would think would be on them if they're going to say that, because if you look at just simple context, we always get hammered in our head, context, 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 you know, when you're going to interpret something or, or figure something out. There is, I cannot find a shred of context. I can't where it taught where where that's sons of of seth or something or it's just people being people and marrying other people that that doesn't make sense i mean i guess it kind of would if you didn't look at context right if you didn't if you didn't cross reference terms and and things that are used in the bible but when you actually do very simple looking back and forth and saying okay the bible uses sons of god here But then over in Job, I can't remember the exact verse, but over in Job, it talks about the exact same thing of sons of God. And those aren't people. Those are sons of God. And it talks about the same thing in before mankind was made. Again, I can't remember the verse. I should be able to remember these verses. But before mankind was made, that when God created everything, right, the sons of God were there and they rejoiced. They were happy. I think it's in Psalms. I can't remember. But they were there. It's the same people. You 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 have them before mankind was created. And you have them in other places in the Bible, like in Job, those aren't sons of Seth or whatever. Those people pull that out of their hat. I don't understand that. It, it, it's simple looking and reading the Bible and, and looking at other places to cross-reference. And I don't I – don't, I do not see how people don't see that. And it, it makes – it actually does make a huge difference, I believe, in, not in salvation but in understanding who God is and why he does what he does because i do not believe god is a genocidal, you know, maniac that just doesn't like certain kind of people and just wants to go kill them. I don't I don't see that in the bible. You see that a lot in the bible if with the, if you don't look in context. If you just read the bible for, you know, the black and white that it says right there, then yeah, it can say a lot of weird things. But you got to look at context and when you see it, then you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense." And you got to look at this weird stuff. So i do subscribe to the sons of god being Fallen angels, or whatever you want to call them, um, exactly like the Bible says, sons of God. Right? They're they they these heavenly things that came down and procreated with mankind. And and I think you went into question four. You sent me a list of questions, and we're cheating because we're going off this stuff. But I think we're where is there any biblical evidence to support your view? Is that you, yeah. you kind of asked it two and fold, right? You're yep. you asking the same thing. So some of the main things. Okay, so I have two verses. Um, cause anytime, like, I won't say her name, but one of my siblings should probably <laughs> never listen to this. So I could probably say her name, but well, she knows who she her. is now. Make sure she listens yeah. to you. Yep. Uh, That'd be interesting. Like for good, uh, Thanksgiving conversations. <laughs> Actually, we try not to do that cause then we fight. But anyway, <clears throat> i said too much. So in Jude, right? So in Jude and in second Peter, you have these mentions of these things. So in Jude, I'll just read it quick. Jude, um, uh, one verse six and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Okay, so that's in reference to what? Well, some angels that did something, that God judged them, right? They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't, they left their first estate. They didn't do something, or they did do something bad, and God judged them, right? And he's reserved them in everlasting chains. That'll lead into something later, another one of your questions, but he's reserved them. He's already put them in chains. He's already put them away, okay? Well, let's go to the other one, which makes a little bit more sense in context, since we talked about context. Mm-hmm. Um, 2, Peter 2, 2 Peter 2-4, and I wish I'd—or not 2-4, 2 Peter 2-4. I wish I'd remember this when my sibling had mentioned this, because they're like, there's, not, there's no proof in the New Testament of any of this kind of stuff. It's like, no, look right here. It's in context. <laughs> it's talking, for God's spirit, not the angels which sinned but cast them down into hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. It's like, it's right there. It's right there. You you have it. It's it's kind of written out like, you know, they knew something. You have these angels that didn't do what they were supposed to do. They sinned. They did something very bad, and God said, that's not good. And so for the angels, he cast them into hell, or not hell necessarily. He cast them somewhere. He bound them in chains and put them somewhere. I don't believe they're in hell necessarily yet, but he put them somewhere. He He did say he put them in hell, but he put them somewhere, and he bound them in chains. And then right after that, it talks about going into the flood. So you have context of timing of whenever that happened. And you have context of what they did, and you can cross-reference a thing. you got Genesis, and then here you got Second Peter, and you see exactly what happened. The sons of God, right? And the other place in the Bible references sons of God as being not people, so the whole Sethite thing gets blown away. And then here you have context again where you have these angels. It calls them angels this time in the King James. Now, you got to go back to the original root teachings or words and stuff to really know to look at these words you can't go off just king james because you'll get crazy weird theology that way if you just do that but it's the same thing you got the angels and the sons of god so they're interchanging the same kind of thing so i yeah that that's my those are my main proofs that have proved to me that this is not an evil people kind of thing this is something weird something funky something just strange and evil and wrong happened. And I think if you read the Bible for what it is and and you don't try to read things into it, but you take it in context and you don't try to, to water it down to make it nice and Sunday schooly,
1: <laughs>
0: I think it's pretty straightforward that it's talking about these angels leaving their first estate, whatever their first estate was, whatever they were supposed to be doing, they didn't do that. And they went down and they somehow which I think we'll get into that later, procreated with mankind, making some kind of an evil, you know, some kind of these, these giants or these men of renown. And that led to God basically doing the whole flood thing. So I try not to get ahead of myself. There's more I could say about that, but I, I think those, those questions get answered later.
1: No, you're totally good. You had mentioned uh, about the place in hell. What's fascinating is in Second Peter, I think it's chapter 2, verse 4, where it says that for if, if God not spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell mm-hmm. and delivered them in chains. What's fascinating is in the Greek, uh, there's three words used for hell. You have Hades, uh, which is a common one. You have Gehenna, which is really a lot of times it's used as hell fire, but it's also in reference to like the lake of fire, the ultimate mm-hmm. abode of hell. But then you have this other Greek word called Tartaros. Oh, yes. And oh, yeah. Tartaros yeah, is used one time in the New Testament in the Greek. And the one time it is used is in this passage right here that you brought up. And mm-hmm. when you're looking in Thayer's lexicon, uh, they really believe that this is a place that the ancient Greeks believed, uh, which was the abode of what what they call the wicked dead, where they suffer punishment for their evil deeds. So this was a Greek... Location where they harbored, harbored really, uh, or not harbored, uh, they put in prison the most wicked of the wicked people. So, Mm -hmm. this is the Greek word that God chose to use for where these angels currently are in hell. Uh, like you said, as far as the sons of God and everything, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned this terminology was used before even the creation of mankind because it's in Job 38, verse 7, where the sons of God shouted for joy uh, at the creation of the of the universe and the world. And so it's very common uh, that sons of God are in reference to angels or really celestial beings. You also see it in the first chapter of uh, a Job where the sons of God present themselves before God. And so the other thing, uh, a lot of people forget this. But when you were talking about the Sethite view and everybody uh, just automatically presupposing that view, you're 100% correct. Anybody making any type of claim has and owns that burden of proof to substantiate it. And so it's not like... A lot of times I hear in apologetics and just dealing with atheists and everything that the atheist doesn't have a burden of proof to show God doesn't exist. Well, that's not the case. Anybody that makes a claim has the burden of proof. Otherwise, it's a burden of proof fallacy. So you're totally right as far as those uh, with Sethites. They have to be able to show in Scripture uh, where that view is coming from and if it's even substantiated from verses. So you sort of alluded to it and everything, but one of the major objections to the fallen angel view of Genesis 6 is uh, where we get the idea that angels or demons wouldn't have the ability to procreate. Mm. And yet that's what these sons of God are doing in Genesis 6. How would you answer that objection? I, I know you've answered it before. and know we talked about it, but how do you answer that
0: objection? Well, I could do what you do and what I really hate and want to, like, punch some people (laughs) in the face for this kind of stuff and be like, okay, well, you need to prove your question because where does it say in the Bible that angels can't do that? Do you have any, any proof that they can't do that? The only thing I can possibly think of is whenever the Bible talks about angels not being given in marriage. Right. Okay. Well, cool. Good job. God doesn't have weddings in heaven. Does that mean that angels can't do things, right? right. Does, does, that, that's not a proof of anything. That, that's a proof that, that, that angels aren't married. But, okay, so let's look at, uh, well, we don't even have to go to the verses, but I'll shoot them out there. But Genesis 19.3 is whenever, what was it? Abraham, God, and the angels having a little meal together. Well, angels can eat, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, because they put food in their mouth and ate it. He gave them food and ate. And there's other times in the Bible where, who was it? Um, I forget his name now. He was in the threshing floor. He was the dude in the threshing floor. Gideon. And the angel – Gideon, right? And that was – some people, I guess some people could say that's that could, it's a pre-whatever version of Jesus, Christ. whatever. But still, same thing, a heavenly being, whatever, whether it be an angel. The different views of – again, holy cow, you can get into different topics and stuff. But you have angels in the Bible eating stuff, and then you have also – in Hebrews 13 two, talking about entertaining angels unaware. Well, either they're invisible and we entertain them and they think we're funny because they're invisible and we don't, you know, <laughs> we don't see them and we walk through them and they get giggles. I don't think that has anything to do with it or they're like dogs or something, right? Because they're, we're unaware that they're there. I don't think that there's no proof of that either. Or what I do believe is that we see them and we interact with them on some occasions and we don't know, and that means that they can look like what they want to look like. So if they can look like what they want to look like, and they can do what they want to do with their bodies, then there's no real evidence that I see that they can or cannot procreate. There's nothing saying that they can't do that necessarily that I see. Now, that, that, this, this is where we get into like, you got to be very careful, and I have to be very careful, because the Bible does say certain things, right? It lays, the Bible's not given for for complete knowledge on every single subject out there. It's not like a lot of times Christians, we got it kind of got to get over that in a certain way because the Bible gives us everything we need to know about salvation, you know, about following God and doing what God wants us to do. All right, Overall, in a nutshell, it has that, but it doesn't have every single little bitty piece of everything else. It's not, it's not the purpose of it. The, the, I mean, holy cow, what I'm trying to say, the, uh, who was it? I don't, know if, I don't remember if it was a psalmist or whatever, or no, wasn't the psalmist, it was one of the uh, apostles or whoever wrote that if, if they wrote every miracle that God did, the books, and there may have been a, you know, a term or whatever, you know, a saying, you know, that, that the books couldn't even hold the miracles Jesus did, much less the entire minute, detailed history of everything. Like, it's not in the Bible, I'm sorry, but there are pieces of things in the Bible, like this stuff, and when God says it, that the sons of God procreated with mankind and made these things... Well, then you kind of got to say, okay, well, sons of God came down. I mean, I don't know how you don't see that, right? And, and so when people would say, okay, well, angels can't have, angels can't have kids. Well, that's that's a, that's a long way of me saying, prove to me that they can't have kids because I will, I, I can see how they can look like a, you know, you can look like a chicken, you can smell like a chicken, you can eat like a chicken, and you can taste like a chicken, so you probably can act like a chicken. You could probably procreate, you know, that kind of thing. So... I think it's a very small-minded view to to grab onto something like that. Again, something that doesn't have any bearing. It's just, it's one of those, in my opinion, it's one of those made-up kind of things to where I don't, that's weird. Angels, I don't see them being married. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible talking about angel children. So I'm going to assume that angels can't have kids or angels can't do that. Well, like I just said a second ago, just because the Bible doesn't say it, especially when it's not talking about, you know, gospel truth, right? About salvation stuff. If it's not talking about that, if if there's something missing that it doesn't need to clarify, well, don't, don't just assume one thing and hold to that just because it's weird or is, you know, it's like, what? you see what I'm saying? I hope, well, I, I hope totally I came across kind of right.
1: Yeah. No, I totally do. I think a lot of times people bring their own presuppositions and biases mm-hmm. to scripture and they just automatically assume something can or cannot be because, you know, they, whether they're regurgitating, they were taught it, or whatever the case is, uh, even though the fact of celestial beings would be incorporeal, they wouldn't have a a physical body per se, but there's still evidence, whether through possession and even this Genesis 6 view, of taking on some sort of material appearance, bodily appearance. And so the other thing, when Jesus uh, mentions that, you know, we're we're like the angels in heaven. In that passage, he doesn't say the angels on earth. He's he's specifically talking about a sphere, a realm in heaven, mm-hmm. not necessarily talking about on earth. So even there, there could be a uh, a location, uh, not really concern, but a location requirement, also. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, a lot of this ties into the original messianic prophecy, would it not? Yeah. And so uh, I know we've talked about this in the past with Genesis three fifteen and the fact where uh, God had told the serpent or Satan that the woman's seed would bruise his head and, and deal a death blow to Satan. And so, how would that? And I don't think this question's on here, but how would that messianic prophecy fit into Genesis six? What would Satan have to? Why would Satan be doing this based upon that messianic prophecy in Genesis three fifteen?
0: Well, I don't think I'm going to find it under pressure here. But where you're right, talking don't worry about, about right it. there, it, it, no, the one, but
1: we can just scratch that one.
0: No, 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 no. Because this is really good. Um, when he's talking about that curse, doesn't he also mention that um, the 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 serpent, whatever God's going to bruise his heel? Something about the seed of the serpent. The seed yes. of the serpent is mentioned somewhere, right? The seed of the what serpent in the world bruise, does that have to do?
1: Messiah's heel. Yep.
0: That's almost. Again, the same thing – what is, is that talking about if it's not talking about some kind of a genealogy something? A seed of what? Okay, I'm not going to get graphic and, and say stupid things, but I mean what is that talking about the seed of of, of Satan? If it's not talking about the seed of Satan, I do not understand it. Unless people – and this is where I really get so – I get upset with people that, that if they go off on these things where if they took that and be like, well – That's just talking about the seed of the serpent is just sin and evil, and I don't know where you get that, unless I'm missing something like huge, where that that is actually what it's talking about, and then I have my foot in my mouth, but I don't see that again. And so I think that has part of what you're kind of leading into of what's going on here. It could have to do with evil, but I think there's a lot – or sin, but I think there's a lot more to do with actual – things that are that we're talking about right now which is the nephilim so what was the per what, what what basically i'm going to answer your question that i got myself wrapped up in what was going on here what was the purpose of this whole thing why is there not the purpose of the whole thing what was going on in genesis 6 and why were they messing with stuff honestly and again you can't exactly pin this down in the bible but it's not gospel it's not salvation concerning so it doesn't have to be there but you can find it in a lot of other places to where it's a couple of different either things, okay, either or things. But the view that I take on this is that two things, one I don't think I've ever talked to you about. Um, but one That's of them – yeah, so and, you know, anyway, yeah. You know, my curiosity so, has peaked. Yeah, so the main one that you and I both agree on, I think, is if if, if Jesus has to come back to – ransom mankind, basically, because mankind messed up, Jesus has to come back and be the propitiation for our sins, right? He's got to come back and be our, our sacrifice. Um, well, if there are no humans to save anymore, then there's nothing to be saved anymore, and basically, if that's what Satan's after, of either ruling the world, or of ruling whatever, mankind or something, he would basically win. If there's no, if there's no human, to pay for humanity's sins, then it can't work. Because God couldn't come down just as himself and do that. He could, but that's not his nature. He doesn't work that way. He could have just snapped his fingers like what's-his-face in Avengers and just fixed everything, but he did not work that way. Thanos, yeah, he doesn't do that. He could. That's one thing people have to keep in mind of this whole thing. Because some people, I think, could get pretty bent out of shape thinking, well, you're saying God's not powerful enough to do. no. It's not, it's not saying that. It's actually a very awesome thing of how God works like this. He doesn't use his power to just magically do a whole bunch of stuff and just make everything perfect. Like, you know, why is there sin and all this? No, it's, it's there for a reason. And it's there because that's God's nature to, to allow us to have free will. And to fix it the right way. and it, I mean, this, goes, this gets really deep into a whole bunch of different stuff because it is awesome. And I don't understand it all. But the way that God deals with Satan and deals with sin, it's a very legal way. It's very, very strict. And God follows all the rules. Satan doesn't have to necessarily follow everything all the time. But he tries. And he tries to use God's law. And this is one of those instances to try to say, ha-ha, I got you. I can pollute the seed of mankind. To make them into something that is not quite human and make it impossible for God to come back and to save this human race by polluting their seed to the point to where they 're not humans anymore, I believe that 's really what happened and and that 's one of those things to where I think people could get pretty upset because that 's weird that's not that sounds that sounds so mythologically like like Disney and just weird fairy tale Greek and you know, Roman just stuff, and it's like, well, wait a minute, those things came, those those myths and legends and different things, they have a bearing somewhere, they came from something, and I think back, way back then, back in Genesis, when all this really crazy stuff was going on, you had very crazy things like this that were happening, and I think it's spelled out right there in the Bible on that, I hope I came full circle, but where where those angels, whatever the allegiance they have they they their purpose then was one of two things was to pollute mankind, the seed of mankind, to make it impossible for Jesus to come back, or the other one which goes into i get this from uh from heiser uh dr Michael heiser um, of the whole council of God thing, and the fact that there are there are different i'm not to say this right because People are going to take me out of context. But there are different <laughs> gods, right, that are in the Bible that we, again, as a, as a uh, Baptist Christian person, that sounds heretical to say that there are other gods. Well, the Bible talks about other gods. And but you mean gods there.
1: with a little g.
0: With a little g, right. right. God is very uh, explicit that he is singular like he is king of kings lord of lords god of gods he's the top dog he created everything but he but it gets really weird when you start looking at this stuff it's not just god and satan and a bunch of angels playing harps and some didn't want to play harps so they want to go with the devil and go down to earth and mess stuff up it's it's way more deep than that and so when you start uh, and this gets into tower of babel stuff too but the way that again going into god's how he rules things. He doesn't micromanage everything. He gives these entities, whatever you want to call them, he gives them authority. Because Bible does talk about principalities and powers and authorities that they're given authority to do things. And again, it's not all exactly spelled out in the Bible, but as long as it doesn't contradict the Bible, I like to look into these things. And so, one of these theories, the one that I haven't talked to you about, is that these other gods, they did, they disobeyed God, they did not rule justly, I think it's in Psalms where it's talking about, I think that's it, I think it's Psalm 86 or Psalm 83 or something like that, look that up, it's weird, because it's basically talking about God judging God, and they're unjust, and they're evil, and he, and they're going to die like men, well, I don't know that, yeah, that that, that, that that's a mind opener for another kind of thing, but God doesn't judge himself, right, I mean, it doesn't really work that way. God's not going to kill himself because he's unjust and evil. So there's something else going on there. That's just an eye-opener into this whole thing. But to where the purpose of that would be that these other gods were trying to imp- – to not implement, trying to do what God did. They can't create necessarily like, like God created, but they can do something to mankind and make their own image, their own uh, seed, their own breed, their own people that they want to rule and they want to reign and God's like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. It you that's a polluted, messed up debauchery of evilness, and it's not going to work that way. Both of those, I can't find a uh, a way to shut that down in my mind right away to say that didn't happen. It doesn't necessarily change. It, it it can go hand in hand. I think both things happened. Honestly, to be perfectly honest, I think it was the pollution of mankind. But I don't stray away either from the fact that there's these other gods, little g-gods, that are here, and they're supposed to be here, but they are unjust, and they fell away, and they didn't do what they're supposed to do. And part of not doing what they're supposed to do kind of goes in, I think that's one of the questions later, of, of of yeah, that goes into another question later, but teaching mankind things that they were not supposed to know about. And that goes into other other things that are not from the Bible, but... It kind of answers, yeah, that goes into another one of your questions, but yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of all a shotgun pattern of, of everything, but it makes so much more sense. The, the, the one, the main thing about, about polluting the seed, that makes the most sense because that's the most like, oh, well that, that would be like the biggest win for Satan is to shut down mankind, not to kill everybody necessarily, because then you have nothing to rule. Right, Satan tries to kind of copy everything God does in a way, in a way. And if there's if there's just a planet full of grass, well, that's not really fun to rule. <laughs> but if, I guess if you have something to rule, then you have something to rule. And ultimately, I mean, if he's trying to defeat God and take away God's realm or whatever you want to call it, yeah, that would be pretty straightforward attack of saying, okay, I'm going to remove your you know, your, your, your avenue of, of salvation for these people. Knowing that God is going to act, God is going to follow the rules that he put in place. He doesn't jump ahead and, and, and and do a bunch of, you know, checkmates until the end. Cause it's, 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 again, that's just not how it works. Does that make sense?
1: No, it does. And something that we'll have to definitely uh, talk about Mm a lot more and everything, Mm -hmm. this little gods and for what I'm tracking, it's not necessarily saying, it's the same as God or even necessarily equal, but uh, Heiser looks at equal. the fact of powers and principalities and thrones and dominions and the fact of, like, Daniel's account. And I think it's in Daniel chapter 11? No, Daniel 10, I think it is, where Daniel's praying for 21
0: days. Yes! And, uh, oh, my word! Sorry, I am not know to catch you ahead. off. Yeah, you got me excited. No, okay. This is kind of, okay, so this is like rabbit trail, but it is so cool. When you see this, okay, this is this is where it's like, it's, it's so cool. Okay, with that whole thing of the Prince of Persia, okay, I have no, like, I'm not going to say that that's, you know, a Prince of Persia, some dude that, you know, the angels are fighting against, or whatever, that doesn't make any sense, but when you use that context of these little G-gods, that okay, if we just want to kind of look in overview nutshell after Babel and the nations are divided again to these gods to be ruled and basically, you know, for, for, for them for them to be the, the gods of these different regions and places, the prince of Persia would, Persia would have been one of those gods. And whenever the angel is coming to Daniel to deliver the message, well, that, that little G-god doesn't want him there. He doesn't want that messenger to go through and to deliver his message to do his thing. So he has authority. He actually has a lot of power and authority given by God to keep things away, to do things. And again, it's not to where God doesn't just forcefully be like, "No, I'm just going to do this." No, there's if that was to happen, then then the angel wouldn't have had to fight. They would have just gone and done what they needed to do. But it wasn't that way. And when you see things like that, it start you really start to see just oh, I don't know. I can't even explain it. It's just way bigger than you can imagine. It's not okay. It even gets into like the whole Gog and Magog kind of thing. And we're going way off, and I'm going to back off. But the whole <laughs> that it gets into that thing where it's, it 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 is a dominion, and those dominions never never left. And never, just because we have different technologies, we have computers and cell phones and satellites and whatever stuff nowadays, doesn't mean that those dominions ever went away. And that that gives light to why certain people have certain kind of power why certain people worship certain kind of things and why why certain why why all this evil and kind of stuff happens is partially because i truly do believe because those gods are in place and they're ruling unjustly they're not doing what they're supposed to do
1: what's interesting too because i don't know if you found this one you probably have in revelation chapter 9 verse 11 where it says and they had a king over them Which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And I want to say that the Greek word Abaddon actually means destruction. And it seems to be a name, a a personal noun, personal name of a particular angel that has the keys to the bottomless pit. And again, we're used to and familiar with Gabriel, we're familiar with Michael, Mm-hmm. But really, those are the only angels we ever get names of outside of this one in Revelation chapter 9. But
0: mm-hmm. it is
1: quite fascinating to take those rabbit trails and really look into that. But, uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, that was one objection, you know, talking about the marriage of procreation and everything else. Another objection to the fallen angel view is the fact that uh, there are seen Nephilim after the flood. And I believe mm-hmm. it's in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, where it says and. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So when people say, okay, if this is a fallen angel view, and God's plan was to wipe out all these demons, all these half-breeds, if you will, God must have then failed because there are still these Nephilim when the Mm -hmm. twelve spies are sent out to spy out the land of Canaan. Uh, What do you have to say about that particular objection?
0: Okay, I kind of wrote this one out, it's probably not all written exactly right, but this will help keep me on track because I really started getting on rabbit trails. So, I'm going to read through my answer a little bit and then go off from that uh to kind of keep me on point. So, what I said was uh one of one of the um one answer is quite simple that God put a stop to what is happening and in essence he hit the reset button okay Um, now I don't I don't believe right now what I'm going to say I I don't believe this happened but it shows a fallacy in this question and I do not see anywhere in scripture where it states that angels let me make sure I say this right I do not see anywhere in scripture where it states that angels never came back and reintegrated with mankind okay the same assumption that states that this was the sole and only reason that the flood took place can be used to say that after the flood angels continued to sin and procreate with mankind God wouldn 't judge the earth with water again says that in genesis nine eleven I believe but with fire. the Bible also makes it clear that every everything on land was killed, but the Bible makes no mention that I can find says creeping things, but says no mention of fish or things under the water. Now there are stories and things and legends and whatever's of these entities or beings or whatever you want to call them, old ones, Um, there's actually a lot of these stories of old ones in quotations escaping under the world, going under the water or going underground or going under whatever to escape the flood and these stories state that the old ones still live below us today and it's really, I don't believe that, okay, 100% I don't, I, I Again, I think there's truth to a lot of different things, even if it's just a little shred of truth. But that's just to show that you got to look at the question again: is if that is that God's only purpose was to destroy the Nephilim, or, or, or because if that was the only purpose to destroy Nephilim forever, then yeah, that didn't work because you do have Nephilim after the flood. You have giants. You have sons of Anak. Right. You got these things that come back up. But if that was the sole purpose. That the flood was, then yeah, God failed, and that's where I don't believe that ha- that can be the sole and only purpose. It did its job, whatever that was, but you have to remember that God promised not to flood the world again, and the and we do know that at the end of time, you know, whenever God finally comes back, He's going to complete. I love how Heiser. I don't know exactly how he puts it, but he he paints this awesome picture of words and it's like whenever God finally destroys everything it he destroys sin and evil to the point to where it is is completely and utterly obliterated and like quite literally eaten like it's destroyed to beyond like the shadow of a doubt it cannot return so if people look at that that verse and say oh well God destroyed you know he just he destroyed them or he tried to destroy them but he failed it's like no, he didn't fail. He did what was necessary to stop what was going on, in order to allow the seed of mankind to continue, so that the Son of Man could come and save mankind. You see, you see, it's that's where you kind of, you kind of, it's so cool. You can, you can kind of look into God's mind a little bit. Maybe it'd be kind of scary if you actually could. I think we would all die. But if you if you can think of it that way, think of this whole. What's going on is this massive chess match, right? And it's where God doesn't force anybody to do this stuff, to play play the opponent that he's playing, Satan or sin or whatever you want to call it. He doesn't force them to make a move, but he knows what they're going to do. So he knows if he puts his pawn out and does something, he knows that that piece is going to get taken, but that's okay because that opened up the door, you know, for his rook to go in or whatever and, and to ultimately win the match and win. Because it, it it's, I think it was Heiser that said it like that, is that there's, you, it, God is much more an amazing God if he knows what you're going to do versus just making you do it. Because if, if he makes you do it, well, it's, it's, that's cheating. That God didn't work that way. Ultimately, especially with us, not necessarily the angels, because they're not made in God's image, but us, we are made in God's image, and a big major part of that is having a free will. If God goes and meddles with us, then we're not – that that breaks away from, from God's nature, and that, that doesn't work. God's nature isn't like that. But God's foreknowledge and omniscience, knowing all this stuff, that can be like, well, yeah, maybe however these Nephilim things got back in, got back integrated into the world, whatever the flood was supposed to do, it, it accomplished a goal that whatever exactly the goal was, it accomplished that goal. And that really that helped me to kind of – realize that it's not all about God I mean if God wanted to stop everything right then he could have done that. He could have, he could have. But he didn't. He he allowed the world, he allowed life to roll on. Now personally that's enough of that kind of thing, but personally um I believe that there there's way more That went down to just the angels mating with mankind, okay? Um, Again, this is not all taught in scripture. Actually, most of this part is not taught in scripture, but it's in other uh, writings of the day or passed down things that people teach and stuff. But I believe that was the first generation Nephilim where it was a pure, or a half-breed, whatever you want to call it, with angels and mankind, the half-breed. And you have these true demigods of, like, gigantor proportions, which are, you know, the Greek and Roman uh, demigod kind of Zeus things, whatever these things that actually were horrifyingly just crazy, blow your mind kind of stuff, stuff that you wouldn't even, you can barely even imagine it today. But those things died. That first generation died. It was wiped out. It, it got destroyed. Whether you have the legends and myths, whatever that people passed down that say that part of their judgment was, you know part of those fallen angels judgment was to watch their offspring, kill each other off basically. And then the flood happened and cleaned everything up. Or that the whole flood was, purpose was to kill off that generation, to get rid of that and start everything over. Um, and that's where uh, these demon gods, there, there's a reference um, in other writings and areas of angels uh, that have taught mankind knowledge, right? And things that they were not supposed to know, whether that be the art of making weapons and stuff, which is weird. It makes me question that, but I like guns, so I'm not giving them up. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say that that's evil, but that's okay, because um, David had a sword and he killed people, so it's okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I believe these these are telltale signs, in my opinion, uh, that the Bible, in the Bible, where it states, or, uh, sorry, I mixed that up. Um, hmm. They taught them different things, and I be- yeah, I believe there are telltale signs in the Bible where it states not to mix kinds, um, and also, as we see in the story of Nimrod, he began to be, this is post-flood, he began to be one of these mighty people. So, all this saying, what I personally believe happened here, and to, to answer what, what, what people would say is, is yes, the first generation of Nephilim, the, these horrible things that were killing people, they were destroying mankind, they were just wreaking havoc and polluting the seed of mankind. Yeah, God said that's enough is enough, and I'm going to wipe that out, and it's going to go away. The knowledge never necessarily went anywhere necessarily. Whatever, whatever Noah and his sons knew and, and the wives knew, you also have different writings and things that people pull out of wherever and say that there are, there are whatever it was, stones and stuff that were inscribed on that had this knowledge. Of how to do whatever these things were, of how, whatever Nimrod did, because whatever Nimrod did, he began to be one of these things. From my understanding, when you look it up and you look up the words, he began to be one of these. It's not just he began to be like a big strong dude and ate his, you know, he ate his greens and Popeye. He began to be one of these things. And when you look at history, right? And you, I can't pull up all their names and everything, but you look at all these people from way back then. You've got major characters that stand out, and when you look at what people say about them, they're huge. You look at especially in Egypt, they have all the you know the carvings and things of all these people, and of course you want to make your rulers look all big and important and all this other kind of stuff, but you have evidences I think we we'll get to that later, but you have evidences of 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 gigantor sized people, beings, post-flood. It wouldn't be pre-flood, it'd be post-flood. You've got these big things that that they had society they had they had they they were there so somehow or other this stuff came back and i don't i don't think it's just genetics where it's big tall people and whatever but you have people like Goliath that is obviously a genetic thing that these things got back into the land of israel and again i believe that gets into the the spiritual kind of realm to where satan can kind of he knows enough to know kind of what's going on to be like, I'm still going to try to stop Jesus from coming back. And so part of that would be to occupy the land that is supposed to be God's. And to keep the people of Israel out. And to do that, well, who better to have than these mega warrior dudes like Goliath and all these other people. So I don't know. I don't know. That, that's that's truly what I, I believe would happen. And a lot of that kind of that gets into the whole conspiracy kind of stuff of knowledge and what gets passed down. And what you actually can can do um so i mean we some people when you say witchcraft or things like that you just think of just haggy old people walking around the woods boiling <laughs> pots like i think there's there's way more the more you look into that stuff the more it actually gets scary and makes you not want to look into anything like that because you start to actually see that that these there is power out there that is unearthly it's it's it, it sounds all fake and made up and, and, but you see the evidences of it. And I'm not, I mean, again, I don't want to say everybody's names and everything, but, but people of great power and authority that have no reason to even be alive, much less be in the positions that they're in and, and to watch people get away with literal murder, right. And to watch countries do things and stuff and be like, how in the world does this even happen? Well, it's because that there are powers at play, there are things going on it 's not just evil people, so the, whatever those things were they 're still there they didn 't die right The whole thing even going and step just a half step back if, mm-hmm. when those nephilim died right the, the again, you have a lot of evidences and writings and things that are passed down of that's the spirits never died those spirits are those things, those nephilim. It was part of human. It has a spirit. It 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 went somewhere. It did something. It, the body died, and a lot of people. I don't know if I hundred percent subscribe to it or not, but a lot of people subscribe to that being where a lot of evil spirits or demons come from, is from this evil stuff. These things that they they go around and they continually seek bodies. You look at possessions and stuff. They want a body to get back into. For why? Well, I don't know. Maybe they like the body that they were in before, but I don't know. That gets way up into like stuff in Revelation and crazy wacky stuff but I don't know I think I just ran into a wall in my rabbit hole
1: No, you're, you're good but you had mentioned uh, evidence of giants so what yeah. archaeological evidence do you know of that would sort of cooperate the existence of giants post-flood maybe even uh, today in contemporary day
0: okay I'm going to start reading off of this thing, and then I'll end up going off in the weeds. Okay, but this is what I had written down. It says, this is where we really start to get into conspiracy, into the conspiracy world, okay? Because there are evidences, okay? The more you look into this subject, the more that you start to see, hear, or read stories of where you do get massive piles of bones or graves or whatever. I guess there's even, there's even piles of, of pyramid kind of things, I think, in New Jersey. And in the United States, there's different pyramid-ish kind of things that have these kind of bones or stuff that would only be for, like, giant, huge people. And when you have an evidence pop up, again, that's where I say you start to get into the conspiracy kind of world. You get either governments or religions, scary enough the Catholics are super involved in this. And other in Smithsonian, just other entity groups kind of things that come up and just very nicely push everything off into the darkness, never to be seen of again. And it's like, I, it seems like anytime you find really good stories, it, it all just becomes like you can't use it as fact anymore because it doesn't exist. But then you have eyewitness people saying, Hey, I saw the bones, or I saw the, you know, the footprints, or I saw the stuff. The architect architecture or whatever, and it's gone now, and Smithsonian took it. It's like, wait, that doesn't even make any sense. Stuff that's still around, from what I understand, two. I mean, you've got, you've got, I think I have two things here, um, shoot, I don't think I could find the other one. Um, you know the, I can't remember exactly where it is, but you know, if you look up giant axes, I can't remember exactly where it is, but you've got these axes from this... I don't know if it was South America I wanted to say it was South America. Or maybe it was the United States. I don't remember. It makes me sound really non-credible, but whatever. It's my opinion and I can hold it. But it's these huge axes that are like... You would either have to have ceremonial axes because you can't pick the things up and use them as an axe. They're like... I don't know if they're 10 foot tall. Um... Man, because I was looking that up, and I was trying to find it, and I found the pictures of it, but I couldn't find exactly where that was. But anyway...
1: So here I'm you... looking at a picture of a family standing by some axes in Morocco. Uh, five, uh, 500 double-edged ed- axes weighing 17.5 pounds, twi- 20 times as heavy as would be convenient for the modern man. Uh that would be appropriate to a giant with a stature of at least fifteen feet in height. Yeah. And that's one found in Morocco.
0: And fifteen feet that's just a big giant. The Bible doesn't say that Goliath is the biggest giant that was out here out there, right? And he was I can't remember if he was ten foot tall or something around there, right? Something like that.
1: Yeah, and even but, Robert Wadlow, who had passed away mm-hmm. in nineteen forty was considered the tallest man in the world and recorded actual history, uh, that's like historically documented. And he was eight feet and eleven inches. So genetically speaking, you know, depending on how one classifies a giant, it's, it's yeah. definitely not far fetched.
0: Right. And with that, let's see, this this is this is again. It gets so conspiratorial and it gets so turned off from credibility. But you have documented people like him, and when you look at people like them, you're like, oh yeah, he's really tall, but those people either die young, or or what was it, whatever the giant in, uh, uh, inconceivable, uh, what's that movie, uh, Princess Bride, right? Princess Bride, um, Andre the Giant. Princess Bride. Yeah, Andre the Giant. People like that, they die of either like, some, they're big, but they're, it's, it's a defect, they're their hearts don't work right or something. They got to have canes. You, there's a lot of big, like, Chinese people. You see that? Like, like huge people. But it's like, they, 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 they're not right, right? They're like, they're, they're... It's not something to where if you were from way back in the day, they, it seems like every time I see these people, they wouldn't be able to be swinging around these swords because they're really tall, but it's disproportional or it's messed up. It's It's not the same as as a mighty man of renown, that if you saw him run at you because he's carrying this huge 700-pound axe or whatever it was, yeah, okay, that's a little bit more terrifying, a 15-foot-tall giant than, you know, a real tall guy who has to have cane to walk. It's a little different. Anyway, that's where I'm saying you have people that are documented, yes, but then you have other people that get discredited, and I looked it up, and Snopes says, no, it's not real, but I'm not surprised about that, and you know me and my conspiracy theories, <laughs> but the whole... The whole giant, uh, what was it, the Kandahar giant, I think. Um, And you can look it up, and yep, Snope says it's not real, and people say whatever. (sighs) But you can listen to the people. Snope's main reason of this not being real, and if people don't know what I'm talking about, short story is you got a group (laughs) of military guys go missing. They send some special forces guys to go after them. They end up finding this giant, this troll, basically, that jumps out of the cage, or cage, cave. And they basically have to shoot the thing in the head, and they, it, I think it still kills one of the guys, but they find, you know, evidence that it ate basically the other people that were out there. It, you know, there, there's equipment and gear and stuff, and it, it was all, you know, there's no bodies or whatever. And, and the reason Snopes and these other places say that it's not real is that they can't find the military, um, I guess it'd be the military paperwork. Or reports or stuff that say that it actually happened, well, if that actually happened, do you think the military is going to be releasing stuff saying, Oh by the way, there 's these trolls that live in Afghanistan or wherever, and you may not want to go over there because they 're going to eat you like that 's not information the military is going to give out, and especially if it 's not just a big tall dude, it was talking about a dude that was had red hair, the double road teeth, the six finger six toes like a a nephilim like in all in all in all reality a Nephilim comes out of this cage or cave and kills these people and then you can you can collaborate that with India uh, Indian tradition of, of you look it up there are so many and I'm not talking about I mean some people could call them bigfoot things I don't want to get into that but people talk about giant races right of these red-haired giants that used to be here in the northern United States or in the, you know North America and they were giants and they would kill people, they would eat people, they're cannibalistic, they're, they're terrible. Imagine, it sounds kind of similar to what people say was going on in Genesis where you have mighty men of renown that were horrible and terrible and basically were destroying everything. It's the same kind of thing that you can look at and be like, well, the Bible does talk about it here, but that sounds crazy, so I'm not going to believe it. Well, history talks about it here, but that was with a bunch of Indians and whatever, so we're not going to be racist, we're not going to say they're, you know, Whatever, so we're just going to say that that was their myth and legend. And then they were like, oh, but there's these other ones over here in, like, modern day, like, you know, in Kandahar. Oh, but that's just crazy we're not going to believe that. You have things like that, and that's not something you can nail down hard fact, like, archaeological evidence. To me, you put all the pieces together, and it smells funky, and it tastes funky, and it sounds, and whatever, and it doesn't contradict the Bible, and it, and it kind of goes in line with everything else. I, I tend to believe it. Now, hardcore evidences, you have unexplainable things, like you have a lot of footprints and stuff that come up from big, tall people. You know, I can't remember the ones in... I, there's a lot of There's a lot of them. Some people, whatever, you want to believe it's a Bigfoot or you want to believe it's pre-flood giants, you know, walking with dinosaurs and stuff. But you've also got the stinking pyramids. You know, you've got um, uh, all these arche- archeo- ar- not archaeological... Um, architectural designs of, you know, whether it be Stonehenge and people that this is built way back long ago, right? But we want to think of them as cavemen and these unintelligent people. They had math and science skills that blow us away, that we are just figuring stuff out of why these things are built the way that they're built. They weren't idiots and they certainly weren't weak and they certainly either had technology or the strength to build these things that we barely can build today, whether it be lifting these stones or cutting them to such exact standards that they're just, it's in—it's inconceivable, you know? It's like, I don't know, like, don't, to me, those are the evidences the evidences that point to whether it be giant or it be the knowledge that something was there that gave them knowledge, something was there, I believe that partially it was these beings, whether it be post-flood Nephilim, that were made from like, like, like Nimrod who had, um, began to be kind of whatever that was that began to be one of these things. And he received knowledge, he received whatever he got big. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And they somehow are able to do these things that were, that we see today, you know, that, that we can't really explain. A lot of times when we can't explain it, we either say it's unimportant important or wow, isn't that amazing. But I think, I think the answer to a lot of that kind of stuff is right there in our face. We just don't want to look at it. That there were giants, and they're not just tall people. There's, there's, there's supernatural, like in the essence of that word, supernatural. It's, it's unordinary. It's unnatural. It's something that you just don't get, just being normal and following the trend and, and going to school. Anyway, like that. I said, that, that those friend, are the evidences yeah, the, I see. Yeah, I'm he crazy.
1: Has, he has done quite the research and study in this topic area. Uh, you had mentioned the Kandahar giant, uh, mm-hmm. and I've looked into that myself, and that's. That's very that's very interesting is there mm-hmm. any other sort of like modern day type contemporary reports of giants uh, besides like bigfoot sightings and whatever the case is that you're aware of besides the Kandahar giant or is that like the most popular one that people would be familiar that's with
0: that's the most that's the most popular one again I mentioned the uh the red hair giants of uh uh North America and supposedly those uh were basically trapped into some cave somewhere and it got bouldered up. And the Indians finally got him in there for whatever reason. They trapped him in there. I don't know how. I don't remember. And they smoked him out or whatever. And if you can find it, supposedly, there's some cave somewhere with these mega giant bone things in there. But those are the main ones. And then other stories of that kind of stuff is you have... I think it was even in the same... It was either in the same interview or the same guy was talking about it. The Canterhart Giant. That you have... Um think it's in Afghanistan, I don't remember, under some river there's supposed to be, I don't know, I don't remember which river it was, but there's supposed to be um, these prison cells or whatever that people do not want to guard, US troops or whatever I guess were supposed to be guarding these places and it's like you don't go down there, you don't want to be down there because it doesn't, it doesn't stop, I guess it it goes down to wherever, I would almost even say that they're trying to hint that it goes towards like a place like Hades to where it's not natural down there, it's, it's, it's demonically evil, it's, it's, there's stuff down there, whether it be these kind of giants, whether it be literally like those angels that were cast in chains that I don't believe are figurative, I believe that they are here, and they're chained, and they're somewhere, and they're waiting to be judged, and they're not very happy, wherever they are, um, there's stories of that kind of stuff going on. Now, i can 't f- remember any specific ones more like that have more detail than the Kandahar giant, but those are the main ones that come up in my mind that are not Bigfoot now that's a different topic diff- different thing, but yeah, those are the main ones that come up And yeah, we we're mind. talking about these red
1: haired giants are you talking about the c t cos from Lovelock uh, Cave out there in Americas I'm on in here in right in now I and remember. I'm taking a look at the red haired giants uh, who are uh, White cannibals, about 10 feet tall, oral tradition and everything, that were known in Lovelock Cave in Nevada, and that they were locked in that there and killed. They found human remains as well, the Sitika. So, if anybody's out there want to check out uh, the background on that, S I T E C A H, the red haired giants with Native American legends. So, with all this that we've talked about today, how important do you believe this topic is within the church today?
0: I think personally, honestly, I think it's very important. Um, I, again, it doesn't affect your salvation, right? It's not going to keep you from going to heaven if you if you don't believe. it. If you believe that these were just evil, wicked children, great. Go for it. It's not going to affect your salvation. It's going to make you wonder why God was the way he was, but it's not going to affect your salvation, necessarily. Now, however, I will say, um, let's see, I would say that it is extremely important to understand, in, in understanding God and the world that he placed us in. Without understanding what was going on, we can easily put God or paint God as some kind of a demonic, psychopathic murderer when he tells the children of Israel to go and kill everything, men, women, children, and animals, in certain places um, in Canaan. Like, that—that that is not, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why is he telling them to murder just massacre like that's massacre men women children and animals like that's horrible anyway but he tells him to do that at different places not all the time just sometimes he does and many people have written this i've even oh my word okay i don't want to make my brother mad at me or my mom mad at me um but they know who they are <laughs> y'all don't know who they are but that's fine but there are people that will say well i bring this up to them be like why did god do that and they would give these explanations that these People groups were so evil and worshipped these false gods and were so bad that God just needed to get rid of them for the children of Israel's sake. It was a mercy killing, basically, that for, for the for the children of Israel, in order to keep them from falling away and getting involved in this stuff, these people just needed to be killed. I'm like, well, what about the, the little kids, you know, and these, the infants and the people that weren't involved in this? It says to kill everything. And they 're like, "Well, God knows the hearts of things, and if if they need to be saved or whatever i don 't even know how you would say whatever i mean they 're basically saying that god 's just going to sort it out when it 's all done i don 't that's that 's crazy that that's that 's terrible in my opinion that 's horrible, but when you see and you plug in this whole nephilim thing and you take off your you know staunch hardcore doctrinal kind of views and you start reading the Bible for what it 's talking about, you can pretty plainly see that there's, there's some kind of demonic, evil, nephilimish kind of thing that's going on and getting into these areas. And you can look at these people, it gives their genealogy. And it says that they're the sons of Anak. You know, they're descended from these things. And you can be like, oh, well, it says it. It gives the, it gives the reason. These things were things, right? They were part people, part whatever. And that's why I believe when God says to kill everything in these certain places and situations is because these are these are nephilim these are things that need to die they're they are abominations they're not savable they're 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 gone they're they're not people as we see people and that sounds kind of weird and that sounds crazy it's like well where do you see that today well you don't see that today i think that's where god really finally stamped out that whole thing and that's why i don't think we see much of that today anytime you hear like we're talking about the can giant and all these things, anytime you hear of these things, it's onesies or twosies or these little groups of thing here, but it's all just kind of hush hush and they're really not even supposed to talk about it. Again, I don't want to get into the whole Bigfoot Alien kind of stuff, but when you get into that kind of deal, it's eerily similar to the whole Nephilim thing, and they do they are not supposed to interact with mankind in the in the in this in the grand scheme like they were before. Because before, yes, they were supposed to pollute the bloodline. They're supposed to be here in mass force and doing things. Keeping people out of Israel. Doing stuff. The game changed. God put an end to that. It stopped. So, those so there's beings and stuff that go around today. And understanding that can help you understand why things happen the way they happen today. And what's going on. And bring dialing it back to kind of spiritual what are saying in the church. It helps you understand why God does those things. God is not evil. God... He can't stand evil, but if, if he was just going to go wipe everything out because it's evil, he would he would do it and he would have already done it. But he doesn't do it that way. It it, it, it it's it real. I don't even know how to get this across, but God is not this maniacal person like that. He had he has a purpose for what he does. And when you see that these beings, it's as real as you and me were here or are here. These things were here and God had to do some with it. And that's when you don't see God come down very often, very often in person and do something. I mean, you see him come down and like do the whole flood thing or you see him come down to to the Babel and, and fix stuff like that. But you don't see him do major things. And when he does, you really should take note. And I think it's a major oversight of Christians as a whole to see strange stuff like this. And to say, oh, it just doesn't matter. Because no, it does. It doesn't matter for salvation. It doesn't. But it, it, lets you, it lets you see a little bit more about who God is. It lets you see his nature a little bit more. And not the fact that he's maniacal going out killing people. It kind of, again, like I said earlier, it shows his, his overall sovereignty of, 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 of allowing, how do you even say this without sounding terrible, but allowing evil because that's kind of his nature of to allow free will. Because again, he's gonna fix everything at the end and 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 dissolve all that, but it has to play out in that. However, God plays it out in that legal form of letting things work the way they need to. And that is, I can't I can't get the words out right. It sounds like I'm saying God just <laughs> lets the world be whatever. He's gonna fix it. It's like no, he's gonna fix it, but it's on his time, and things have to happen the way that he said that they're gonna happen. He can't. He's not gonna go back and. And fix things the way that we want them to be fixed. We can't understand God in that way. But he explains enough to let us know that that stuff happened. And it's, I don't know. I'm so, getting lost in my own rabbit trail. So it
1: just seems like you yeah, know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're being able to get a glimpse into who God is and his character based on situations like this. And yes. tying it into this just a, a satanic attack uh, right. on the line of the Messiah. No, I, I mean, now I definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, last question is, is there anything else you'd wish to address regarding this topic or anything? Any final thoughts?
0: Well, I've kind of bounced all over the place. And I would say, I mean, th- this topic is really the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to to really understanding the big scheme of things. I'll reference Heiser again in the way that he explained... I think it's the charge that God gave, I think it was Adam, whatever, but basically to uh, to subdue the earth, right? To go and subdue the earth. Well, in a big nutshell, a big thing of that that applies to me is that God put us here on earth, and it was an untamed earth. Yes, we have the Garden of Eden as an example of what the world should be like and what we can make it like, and that's how God made it. But you had the whole rest of the earth to subdue. And the charge is still there for you and I to subdue the earth. And whether that be if you're a pastor or if you're a layman or whatever, you're a fireman, you're, uh, you're in the military or whatever you do, you, whatever God calls you to do, you, you subdue that subject, right? You put it under subjection. You understand it. You search it. You, you figure it out because that's what God put you here to do in a way. Part Because not all of us are called to be pastors or preachers or missionaries right we are on on a small level to be to our families or to our to our neighbors or, or to support those that are out there doing that but we are there to sub, to subdue the field that God gave us and charged us to be at and part of that as well is understanding the earth that you live in and if you if 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 you read the bible and it has weird stuff in it and it does it has a lot of really weird stuff in it Well, the Bible tells you to subdue the earth that you live in and just to to understand that. That's part of it. He gives the Bible. God gives you these nuggets, these little pieces that look weird. And if you don't try to figure it out and you don't try to understand why God put it there, what is it talking about? Then you're not in a way, in a way, you're not you're not subduing the earth in a way. okay, you got to take that with a grain of salt. But in a way, you're doing that. So I would challenge anybody, if you read weird stuff in the Bible, anything weird, write it down and figure it out. You know, Ask God to, to show you what, what, is, what is this here for because it's there for a reason, especially if it's in the Bible. okay? Because God gave us the Bible and he preserved the Bible for us. And and it's amazing to look at how – just that's a whole different kind of thing. But the, the story of how God has preserved his word and the fact that we have – a book that old and that exact detailed like passed down, that's crazy. That's supernatural right there. That's crazy stuff. That's something you'd find in a book that you're reading some fictional thing about, you know, some weird book that, oh, this thing is like this old from the beginning of time and it hadn't changed. Oh, okay, well that sounds made up. Well, it's not made up, because God did that for a reason. He gave it to us. He gave us the points and things that we need. So that's what I would say. And 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 again, the Nephilim thing to me is the It's the icing on the cake as far as like it's the easiest, easiest of these quote unquote supernatural, crazy, wacko things that you can pin down pretty quick with very little research and you can say, whoa, I grew up in church and I heard about Goliath and I never heard any of this stuff. Maybe I wasn't listening. I don't know but I never heard this stuff. And when, and, and when you start to see these things, you start to understand the whole, the whole like back, um, behind the scenes, like what's going on. Cause Satan didn't get told that, he, you know, God's going to bruise his heel or, you know, Jesus, or Satan's going to bruise God's heel and, and God's going to squash his seed or whatever. He didn't get told that and be like, Oh shoot, I guess I lost. Like, no, he's trying <laughs> to fight and he's trying to do something. And, and from a spiritual point of view, it, it it goes into understanding, like, the whole principality and the powers. We're not supposed to be out there. One thing one of my siblings brought up was, like, well, what are we supposed to do? Go get, you know, we're going to go start shooting Nephilim? It's like, no, that's <laughs> not what we're supposed to do. Like, I guess it'd be kind of cool, what? but no, right. that's not what we're supposed to do. Yeah, right. But we're not supposed to do that. that that's not – that we don't fight that. That's not our fight. That's not what we're necessary – that's not what we're charged to do. We have other things. It, it's not a fight – like the Bible says, against flesh and blood, it's principalities and powers. And when you see, to me, this is the coolest thing, is when you see this stuff and you see how real, like hardcore, real this stuff was, giants, like mythological, crazy stuff. And you're like, whoa, that's not just something that Disney made up or that's not just something that, you know, the Romans or Greeks made up. Like, no, they didn't make it up. They, they 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 put their twist on things and they added embellished or whatever. They did some stuff. Yeah, everybody does that. But the truth is that this stuff happened, and and in a way, it's kind of eerie and creepy that it's not being talked about, because how crazy is it that this stuff really happened, and we don't know so much about it, and it's like, if that was real, then the game has just changed, the players are still there, like I said, you have, whether, whether that's where demons come from, or certain kind of demons come from, the influence of evil... And and also the whole little G gods, those things, those entities, that those principalities and powers are still here. They're still strong. They're still doing what they're they're doing. They're still doing stuff, and that's that's our charge. It, it's 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 hard to fight a battle that you can't see the enemy or that you don't know where they are. I mean. I've read and watched movies and heard stories of Vietnam and stuff and how horrible and terrible that was, that they would attack and you're just shooting the leaves because you don't know where they are, and they would attack you. And it's like, it's a lot easier, like the Revolutionary War kind of stuff, to line up and see the bad guys and line up and see the other people. It's a horrible way to fight, you know, because everybody's just going to get shot. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? If you can identify and know your enemy, then you 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 have a much, much clearer understanding of how to engage with them, or not engage with them, but in, do what you're supposed to be doing. It makes your prayer life be like, you're not just praying for, you know, when we go out and we're going to go knock on doors, you know, that maybe they'll be home, we'll get to talk to them. Like, no, no, there, there's actual entity beings and powers that are going to try to keep people either from answering the door, from hearing you, from whatever, get, you know, getting flat tires or stuff. There's stuff that goes on, like the Prince of Persia kind of thing, That don't want the message of the the gospel to be spread. They don't want it. They don't want it, and they're doing. I, I I really think it's 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 so sad that they would be, basically laughing at the modern Christian church, thinking you know we're doing our part because we show up on Sunday and we do whatever. But our personal lives, our personal spiritual lives, are just kaput. Our families are falling apart, and our households are destroyed. You know the Bible talks about the strong man. You go into his house, and you you, you, you got to bind the strong man. And, and the individuals in the house, your soul, your spirit, you have a choice of, of, of following God and figuring this stuff out or just blindly going through life. And, yeah, God protects you, and God gives God helps you do things. And I'm not saying that if you don't believe what I'm saying, the devil's going to wrap you up around his finger and smash you. I'm not saying that. But I am saying it gives you tools. It gives you understanding to know what you're going up against. in anybody, like... One more analogy, and I'm done. Anybody like in the military, you got your regular grunts that are just told to go sit in this hole and shoot anybody that comes up the hill. Okay, well maybe he doesn't know all the nuances of who these people are or what's going on and everything. But then you've also got you know your SF guys that actually have the whole you know the backstory and they're actually going over here and they got to study the people and they got to understand. Okay, this guy's family is connected to this group that's doing this kind of thing and that deal. Well, they have a lot more knowledge, and they can understand a lot more of what's going on big picture versus the little grunt that's sitting over here just going to shoot the guy that runs up the road. You see what I'm saying? It's different. They both do what they're supposed to do, but one guy can do it a lot more knowledgeably a lot more effective because he has more knowledge. You hear the whole thing? Knowledge is power. Well, it is. It's true. So... Anyway, that that's there's there's I could talk forever about all this kind of stuff and and like I said Nephilim is the tip of the iceberg once you get into these other little G gods and you get into other things and it's snowballs from there. Um and you and you can get really lost in the weeds and I, that's one one place I have to be careful about um, cuz I can easily get lost in the weeds and then that kind of becomes my I don't know if you called it the setting center or whatever to just get so wrapped up in that that you don't do anything else because yeah. that's not all it's about but it is there for a reason, so you should study it yeah.
1: wow we've we've covered a lot this entire time. I think this is uh, uh one of the most interesting interviews that we've done on this channel. We've covered a lot. We found a lot of rabbit trails, uh, we found a lot of squirrels, you know, but that's mm. definitely just I love the passion that you got flowing through your veins and everything. I love it, man. I uh, just thank you for being with us today like like you said, this is quite an interesting and quite an important topic. Because one of the first rules of warfare is you have to be able to identify the enemy. And Mm -hmm. through this, uh, we're able to identify not only the enemy, but also the tactics of the enemy and the strategy. And so from there, we can develop a war plan, a game plan, a concept of operations, if you will. And so I just, I love you being able to articulate it. I love you being able to just uh, explain your views, your passion, your desires, your research, as far as... uh, What the Nephilim are and and what it leads to in in the end times really is what we're going to look at uh, probably in a future episode. And so for those of you that are still with us, you know, I just thank you for checking in. Nephilim, Fallen Angels, uh, Creating a Race of Giants. Look into it. Like I said, uh, uh, the red-haired giants from the Native American language, or not language, but the legends. You got the giant of Kandahar. Check that out. Look at the size and the weight of Goliath and just everything else. And while you may be able to hear interviews and discussions of Nephilim from other people in other places, I guarantee you, you've never heard it like you have today. So, and remember, like Caleb said a few different times, this isn't necessary for salvation, but it is part of the Bible and we would do well to exegete scripture to determine whether these things are so. And so I encourage all of us listening, put aside the presuppositions and the biases and be the brand to see if this meat of the word is actually so. So as always, I thank you all for checking in. Until next time, God bless.
0: thanks for listening we pray this ministry glorifies god and edifies you the listener for more great content including videos blogs newsletters and a free ebook check out our website at c4capologetics.weekly.com you can also email us at c4capologetics at gmail.com with questions or ideas for future episodes we truly appreciate you please like share and comment on this episode and don't forget to subscribe for future episode notifications Thanks for checking in and remember to be bold and keep contending for Christ.